Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, with my lovely co-host, Jane Drew Hammer. And um, we're coming at you once again, ready to talk about another wonderful movie. Before we get into the episode, um, if you want to keep tabs on us, you can find us um, over on Instagram, over on Facebook, at Movies We Missed. And you can find us tweeting away on our Twitter account, award-winning really a cultural linchpin at this point, I'd say um, that's going to be found at MWM chat. Jane runs that. So if there's anything about it, that seems ramshackle, um, <laughs> then I answered the question when I told you who was in charge of it. Um, but Jane, <laughs> how are you doing? How are you doing I'm, today? You got this sexy wet hair. I do. I'm straight out of the shower. <laughs> Everyone trying to get too turned on, but I, I was, um, <laughs> nude like five minutes ago and here i am talking to you are you flexing that you like bathe <laughs> and that you have access to running water because it felt like it to me i was trying to get everyone sort of like their their sexual hackles up by talking about me um soaping up and rubbing down and being wet um before we but, started jane yeah. said your faves could never And I, I mean, I get it. I, I went with Drew today because you Jane, did. Jane was giving me a little bit of, you know, our girl in this in the rain. If you have the opportunity to dance in the rain, take it. Like, what was happening? I was like, is she is she parodying herself? Like, I, well, this I is didn't. the thing. She, I, I, I think I said this to you on Instagram when we were trading this back and forth, being like, what's happening with Drew? By the way, for those of you who don't know, this is Drew Barrymore, and she uploaded a reel of her losing it in, in a rainstorm. Um, <laughs> and... It she it's it does feel like she is parroting herself. It feels like a bit, but well, it's I don't not. think it is. I think it's just her. Yeah, I think it's just her. Absolutely, but it feels like Chloe Fineman doing her. Like <laughs> how like how old are her kids? Because I feel like if I was like ten or eleven and I like <laughs> saw my mom like just like losing well, herself on the internet and like <laughs> some like soaking wet like I don't even know like a, a top from like Tory Burch just like drenched in like the the aqua of the of the sky i'd be like the aqua of the sky like, sit down mom <laughs> well this is the thing when you're 10 or 11 everything your parents do is embarrassing but also when you are a celebrity child your parent your parent is always out there so that's got to be like particularly like drew has like a talk show she's that's like right i would she's just be <clears throat> horrified if my parents were I famous i don't understand why there are celebrities who I see with talk shows. I never get the draw in of it for them. 
I always think like it's a lot of work. It seems it like it feels like a lot of work, and it's like, are you are you making enough money to make this work worth it? Because I feel like sometimes, like when you see like I mean, the salary s- broken down, it's like. I, and this is coming from me. I'm a garbage person, and like I would kill for it for a day's worth of their salary. Uh, but I mean, I mean, if someone offered you a talk show, you would literally be yeah. There, but my options day and are night, baby, nil, baby. So I mean, for an A list celebrity, like I think that with like Kelly Clarkson, like how much are you making on this show that she makes must this be making worth a ton it for of you? Money. But it's like you could be dropping music, and like I mean, and I get that that means you have to tour to support that album, and like that's a lot of young kids and she's still doing that like she's still doing that too but yeah. i just mean like it just feels like like a daily talk show just feels like i just think it must be exhausting like well i bet you know it depends on how much they're involved in the production like any of are listening to this just punching <laughs> throwing know. just throw their phone they're like you like, just lost a follower like they're fine um <laughs> Like there are far more exo- exhausting and like thankless jobs. Like you get up at five like- o'clock, you go to the studio. They probably turn out like two or three episodes a day, so they probably only end up working a couple of days a week. Oh, I and didn't even think about that. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not coming in five no days idea. a week. No, if I'm like that big, no, I'll give you, I'll give you a cute little, I'll give you a cute like Tuesday and Wednesday, and like <laughs> we're gonna do three episodes on one day. We're gonna do two on the other. So we got a week. And we're gonna keep it cute, and that's like honestly, I would do that. That sounds like a great sketch. And that's probably if an episode's an hour long of like a like one of these talk shows, it's probably about two hours then of like active filming, maybe a little bit extra, but like probably around that. So you're probably working like less than six hours. And you have uh, like people, like interns, and like low paid comedians on the street doing like the segments, you know, that you don't have to do. Oh, I thought you were talking about like the hype people, which always <laughs> seems like the cringest job to me. Like, hey, everybody, you excited to see you excited to see DB come out here and rock your world? Let's just say, do you like scary talk show hosts? Because there's not one here, no Ellen in the house here. We got Drew; she's full of love and light, and she's going to bring all it all here. Make all the eye contact you want, baby. Exactly. This is <laughs> right icon phone home <laughs> that's a reference to her being an et um she oh, was a she was ET. god she's been on a fucking round forever hasn't oh, she Jay just said drew actually goes live every day like no i'm not doing it <gasps> wow every you know day she's doing it live is actually probably better than pre-recording because it's like because it's one hour one hour filming oh. That's true. Like one, but that's every day though. That's every day. Even Fridays? I'm not coming on Friday. No. <laughs> of course Fridays. Uh, People need their Drew. I think nobody's going to want to work with me. They're listening to this. And they're like, we got a diva on our hands without any bargaining chips. <laughs> Brandon, come on. We're trying to leverage this podcast for whatever we can get. And you will you will put in all the work and I want that on I want that recorded right you, you now. You show me how it's done first. I'll take my I'll take my cue from you and put in all the work, baby girl. Um but no, if we get offered like a local talk show, but I don't want any of that, you know, I don't want to do any of that like oh, it comes out at three AM and like who oh, sees God, it sees no. it between well, infomercials. We'll only take, we'll only I'm take lying. Like, I'll do that ad- too. Of course you will. But we're all, I'm looking for something more ad- <sighs> advantageous. <laughs> this is 
us this like is- us literally just shilling some like bullshit like QVC rejects, like a, like a, one of those like and fucking selling literally anything, anything. Oh my god! Oh my god! These bangles are so cute. These bangles are so cute. You guys, if you're gonna call, them, you better. They're gone. They're gone. I didn't even get my Jamie. I didn't even get the pitch out. These bangles, they mm-hmm. are absolutely they're anal beads, um, mm-hmm. and they are sterling silver ish adjacent. Um, and they are amazing. They're little like they're little like there's little rosebuds on here. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. Uh, for fists. your little rosebud. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're looking great. And I'm just imagining us with like really teased out hair and like of we've just like done a heist Lip- over at like Talbots and like we are. I want to dress to the nines at our chin and goes yeah. up. It's We're like dressed to the nines. We're like dressed to like the four thirties. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, we're doing the best we're we can. We're making it work. Yeah. Ooh, lots of like, in lots of like drapey, like oversized, like sweaters that are like Chanel-ish. And we'll be saying all the time, like, you cannot tell that this is cubic zirconia. You cannot tell the difference to the naked eye. This is diamonds. And it's always like anecdotes. It's always like, <laughs> like the fictional child. Like, you know, it's like, I was, I took my son Cody to swim practice the other day and mm-hmm, two mm-hmm, of the moms mm-hmm, came up to me mm-hmm. and they said, Oh my God, that diamond, that diamond that you're wearing, that pear shaped diamond on your finger. My mm. golly, when it hit the water, when the kids were in the water swimming, I was supposed to be watching my tyke and the glare, <laughs> the glare. I looked up, I saw you in the stands. I thought, she was. Gee whiz, where'd you get that beautiful? I thought you were going to say K's Jewelers. I thought you were mm-hmm, going to say K's. Mm-hmm, and when you mm-hmm. said you're selling them like hotcakes over on your network and then it was a CZ, uh-huh, you could have knocked over CZ. with a bag. And you know what? The same thing happened to me when I was at Chili's the other day for my anniversary <gasps> dinner. Oh, my God. Barbara gets off. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I had some some beautiful woman. I mean, she's very Ooh. classy. You could tell. She was sort of, Ooh, you know, rich. just you, dripping in furs and Chili's jewel. rich. And she came up to me and she said, sweetie, where did you get that ring? Is that a Harry Winston? Because it is... H.W. It's simply gleaming off of my $5 margarita. Absolutely. Simply the best, simply the beers. But it's not the beers. But it's, it's not the beers. We're selling them. We're selling them like hotcakes. They're about to sell out. The only thing I'm freaked out about is that you're not gonna have to, you're not gonna have enough time to call us in before they before they're all gone. And once they're gone, they're gone until we get more. But you know, maybe we won't get more, but we probably will. But just call. We're in a frenzy over here. And just me and you with our hair teased to the moon and like hopped it, up on coffee. It doesn't even fit in the frame our hair is so teased oh my god I, why do I love it though kind of also I, I, I got I, lost I, in it I, and I was I, really I that bit went on that bit was for us because I was literally I was in the moment I was feeling it it's I for changed. the fans too though that are listening of or course. the people that are like doing something and they can't get to like they <laughs> can't, can't stop to, it like skip ahead yeah to when they we can't do it um, and, that, and you know what that's what we do our bits for for people who do not have access to their device at this moment and have to listen to us until we talk about the movie because we are holding you hostage we are that's what we do and speaking of <laughs> hostage and containment um Ooh. we're gonna slip 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 right into the movie this week um we had i gave jane to watch 1992 uh beloved film of mine um mm. goes by the name of class a you sure did and it was ever the film and you know 
I, it's really funny because I was talking about this movie today with one of my coworkers and I was saying, oh, she, I was asking what movie we watched for the pod today and I was like, oh, I love it. Like, I love people oh. asking. I love people engaged. Oh, people, uh, <laughs> people better stop asking is all I got to say. No, don't, please, please don't stop asking. Um, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please don't. But um, she Googled it because she was like, oh, it doesn't ring a bell. And then she was like, oh my God, I like have a visceral memory of just like seeing this the like the 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 front of the movie like the poster of the movie in in the um like rental why can't i say words you know what i'm saying in the movie store well well, yeah okay and also side note that's the second time that we've had trouble trying to describe what like you would call like (laughs) a generic like blockbuster i didn't want to say blockbuster no but because i get no but it's like it's like a video rental store as i guess like there's that's there's no like catch-all word for it it's like yeah it's but no i know exactly what you mean but she's never seen it but you know i think dave had a similar experience where he hadn't he knew of it but he had never seen it. And, and I had the same thing where it was like, I remember the front of the movie. I remember that poster. I will say, spoiler alert, this movie, honestly, it held up better than I, than I like, <laughs> than I thought it would. I was literally, concerned? I was like, I, well, for some reason, I was like, I haven't seen this movie in a while. I remember it being about certain things. There's several things we're going to get to in the movie and things that I think yeah. are really successful that it does that are kind of hard to do. Mm-hmm. But, I was like, oh my God, is this movie going to be like every phobic in the book and like all yeah. that. And mm-hmm. then I had the moment where I like, and I started looking into kid and play again. And I was like, oh no, like they were all about like positivity and like totally. that totally wasn't their message at all. So I don't know mm-hmm. what those like worries were. It was just worries of like an early nineties high school comedy really is what it was. Absolutely. And it was like, but it yeah. doesn't do any of that. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. This is actually like low key, like in a way, a family film kind of like 100%. It, I, I, that's one of my notes about this is that like, this is like you always, when you enter and since we've been doing this podcast for over a year now, every time we watch a movie from, you know, even 10 years ago, you're always like, Oh, oh God, what, what did you brace I, yourself. what did I think was okay then that I know is not okay now and always sort of reconciling that. Mm-hmm. And certainly movies within the eighties and nineties have more of those things than, than newer movies. But this movie is totally family friendly. I mean, you know, if you're comfortable um, having your kids see a bunch of sexual innuendos all the time, which is fine. Um, but just in terms of like messaging and all that kind of stuff, like it was totally, totally like it, it, it has a good message in some ways you know yeah and on that note i'm gonna get to the synopsis of the movie yes all right here we go Duncan and Blade are two high school seniors from completely opposite sides of the track. As Duncan explains quite early in this tale, while he was achieving a myriad of scholastic feats in affluent spaces, Blade was grappling with inner city life and getting into trouble on the other side of town. These two probably wouldn't even be crossing paths if it wasn't for routine clerical switcheroo, but more on that later. Duncan's only real Achilles heel in terms of school is physical education. So much so that his family has transferred him to a school with a pass-or-fail PE curriculum in an attempt to circumvent the athletic rigors of high school backgammon. Blade, on the other hand, has recently been released from jail for petty theft on the condition that he enroll in high school and, as his parole officer succinctly puts it, makes your grades. 
As fate would have it, these two arrive at their new alma mater for very different reasons on the very same day and have the misfortune of bumping into each other, which leads to a classic mix-up when their permanent records go flying into the air and their identities are unexpectedly switched. Now, the overachieving Duncan is mistaken for the bad boy Blade Brown, and Blade is believed to be boy genius Duncan Penderhues. They could quickly figure this out, but they soon find themselves intrigued by the potential of life on the other side. Not to mention the girls that come with these respective identity shifts. Blade develops feelings for the scholastically inclined Ellen, while Duncan finds himself enamored with the plain-talking assertiveness of around-the-way girl Demita. They both know that if they hope to gain favor with these two, they'll have to assimilate into the world each woman occupies. So... Each of these guys embraces the office snafu and leads into their new identity. Well, Blake kind of forces Duncan to keep up the lie and pass all of his classes for him, but by masquerading as Blake Brown, Duncan gains a little street cred along the way. But how long will this charade go on for? And will Duncan and Blake be able to adjust to the rigors of a life built on their mistaken identities? And more importantly, will they be able to gain the hearts of their would-be paramours before the final school bell rings? Will they be found out and labeled as high school class clowns or pull off this personality heist and find themselves the victorious class act? Beautiful, beautiful, succinct rendering of a movie full of shenanigans. Thank you. There's a lot, there was a lot going on. So trying to like figure out a way to hone it in. And then there were a couple of things that I didn't get to that I was like, we'll just, we'll talk about it. What happened with it? That's what I always do. Every time I have to write a synopsis, I'm always like, what needs to be in here and what will we cover? Um, and, and we'll you get, know, it's intricate. We'll, we will get to it. And I will start mm-hmm. just by setting the context for everybody. This movie was released on June 5th, 1992. So we're about 30 years out. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was made in a budget of 7.5 million and made about 13.5 at the box office, which isn't like a huge success, but like, Hey, they made their coins back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because, as we'll talk about, Polly Shore has kind of has like a low-key cameo in this film as yeah. Joey. I think Joey Thomas is his name, the Weasel. Um, he's in the mix. And I thought it was interesting that Encino Man was released on May 22nd, 1992. So this movie actually came out two weeks after Encino Man, which was super wow. funny to me. Um, That's crazy. So like that gives that. Summer of Polly. So like it gives you like a mm-hmm. little bit of like a taste of like, and granted, Polly's part in this movie is a bit smaller but it's still like it's a it's a part that like stands out and it's clearly like he was brought in for his like you know burgeoning star power so i think it's really interesting that like he was really getting them getting them in at this in this early 90s was, was polly's time baby yeah i mean polly certainly owned the early 90s he was a household name for sure and if you Absolutely. Can get him to be in your movie you say yes to polly shore absolutely and shore plays polly shore in this movie Some guy polly shore always plays a version of polly shore i'd say yeah, yeah. i mean I, I mean i say that as a person who's not seen many Polly Shore movies though, so I need to I need to be I need to watch a few more, I guess, before I make such no, no, assertions. No, no, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean you can just to enjoy them, but like, no, that's accurate. Polly Shore okay. is Polly Shore. Yeah. Thank you. Um one of the first things I remembered about this film, and it stuck with me, and after I suggested to you before I started watching was the was like the theme music for this movie. Because oh, this God. is it's class act work that body work that body and I remembered that song from childhood so 
hey. opening of this movie is like, first of all, this is, this made me think about our conversation about, um, uh, the wedding singer because we talked about how like quintessentially like it's a it's a 90s movie or a late 90s movie about the mid 80s mm-hmm. and I was just thinking like we don't have to do that for the 90s like this movie exists as like the most perfect 90s time capsule oh yeah like everything it is the most 90s moment ever like of all time just everything is just absolutely of its time the hair the music the clothes the dances like the the subject matter like all of it it's it's so fucking 90s i agree and they also strike a really because this is like a very like i didn't remember how fashion sort of like focused this movie is Mm -hmm. but we are talking about like high school and we're talking about like popular kids in high school so Mm -hmm. like that gives you a little bit of a hint but it's like it's very like it's very much a time capsule in the sense of like urban like clothing like the it kids are wearing mm-hmm. even like some of the nerdier kids what they're wearing um even some totally. of the name checks for some of the brands that are being worn in the movie and it's also one mm-hmm. thing that is really funny is that like the 90s is one of those time periods i saw this tweet like a while ago where somebody was like i love how whenever there's like anything in the 80s it's always like these really bright neon colors but like nobody ever talks about how like brown the 80s were and it made me laugh because it's like when you go back and look at like photos from the 80s there's a lot of like earth tones happening totally. but but i feel the same way about the 90s and i and i like that like it was mostly like the quote-unquote bad guys that we meet in the movie but they were they were all in like these like like they were all in like mobs and like olives and like really like soft blues and i was like but they were like they're chic though it's like a different kind it's like a more adult chic that they're wearing lots of like um i noticed there's lots of linen also being worn by the bad guys and i was like i was living for it and so good the bad guys wardrobe was like actually really fucking good it's really good i feel like this would be like very applicable to today a lot of good colors a lot of good fabrics it was um i think mink was the character's name first of all yes gorgeous like just a beautiful human being Mm -hmm. everything looked really good on him but he was always wearing like a nice like neutral toned suit and just looked swaggy as fuck do kids still say swaggy i oh god i've embarrassed myself geriatric millennials do apparently so Um, so, but no, you are right. It's Tommy Ford who plays the character of Mink. He actually passed away in 2016. Yeah. Oh um, he played Tommy Strawn on Martin. He was uh, Martin's best friend. If any of you guys oh, watch Martin growing up, my God. <laughs> yep, I was yeah. Like- I, okay. I know him from that's, something, but I don't know what I know him from. Exactly. There are a few people in this movie like that, but I, that just really solidified that. Yeah, for yeah, me. yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Because you don't see him as much in this movie, so no. I was like, "How do I know him?" But then I didn't look up where I knew him from. And he got Martin apparently like a couple months like after this movie opened. Um, but he plays Tommy Strawn on Martin. Who, if and if you don't know Martin, you know, or if you know it lightly, he is Martin's friend. Who, according to Martin, and everybody else does not have a job. And the whole like that's one of the running bits of the show is like Tommy talking. About he's gonna be late for work, and they're just like, "You ain't got no job, man." Um, Dude, I you know. Martin though it's so good I haven't like, uh, gone back and watched it in, in my adulthood at all it, it's, it's so good weird. it's one of the ones that like holds up and yeah. Martin also has in my opinion I I yeah I'll stand by this statement Martin has one of the best proposals um 
like episodes where like you know a main character gets proposed which feels really niche but actually mm. if you think about it, it happens in a lot of sitcoms especially Absolutely. in the 90s it's, yeah um it has one of the best proposals on any television sitcom ever <gasps> when martin proposes to gina it is I an incredible i don't remember how he does it it's it's beautiful and it is everything and oh. it's great and I know I would get into it but then I feel like everybody's gonna be like that's enough Brandon oh, yeah. um, just check it out and um, it's great I swear I'm like well I'm gonna watch it now I'm gonna like YouTube it after this but um, I think what you're trying to say is you dare our audience to disagree um, I'm not saying that so much. We're not talking about Beyonce's renaissance right now. So okay. um, I'm okay. not going to dare anybody to do anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 up there. And I will say that I will give you so I'll give you context. My my husband, Dave, who's a producer, just chimed in with, is it is it in the park? Which it is. And Dave had never seen Martin before, really. And we were in a hotel and that episode was playing. And Dave got teary eyed watching it without any context for the series or the relationship oh or anything because it is like so great. So I'll leave that there. Um, but yeah, Tom, Tommy Ford, he's great in this movie. Um, one of the like early on in the movie, we all, we have a lot of great, like we have a lot of like actors that are like legendary in this movie in like bit parts too. Um, yeah, we have, can I, can I absolutely, talk, can I, yes. tell, can, let me say the one that surprised me the most. Oh, Okay. Um, Rhea Perlman. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing here, girl? <laughs> Rhea, that was right around that time Cheers was coming to an end and Baby had bills to pay. And Danny had not become like a titan of Hollywood just yet. He was he was a character actor still, you know. Still trying to get Throw Mama from the train made. Well, maybe not actually. No, that but, happened already, but, but you know, Penguin yeah. baby. Yep. Oh yeah, this is probably pre-Penguin. This is um this is a place for legends, babe. But I loved seeing her. I had some concerns about her role as the teacher who was um, aggressively hitting on her minor student. It it comes like after the switcheroo happens, um, after the switcheroo happens on and they get mistaken for each other. Blade gets escorted <laughs> to go to like this other wing of the school, which also like is interesting. Like it's, it's interesting, like uh, sort of satire so in a way because it yeah. is, it's, it's, you know, he goes to this school, you know, we're seeing this school that is like run down and like there's graffiti on the walls. And like, it's not, a, it does not appear to be a school that has any sort of like, you know, a financial like footing at all. And then there's like this like guard at a door that sort of separates the two wings of the school and then once blade um is believed to be duncan Penderhues, and then he is allowed to access into this other wing of the school we see that it is like a like early 90s like beautifully manicured like school with everything's freshly painted beautiful lockers the classrooms have you know resources. technology and there are yeah. resources within them so it's like it's a whole other world and rhea perlman plays the teacher in the first scene when he enters into i think it's like the, his homeroom teacher or something it's his like home teacher and she's like um she's she seems to really be excited by his presence in the classroom and she's really excited by like the work that you know quote-unquote duncan you know has done and and like but his scholastic also, achievements like, really thinks he's sexy and it's like miss simpson like her she was miss seven year old yeah. child that you are there's a lot of weird moments where i would say we're toeing the line in terms of uh you know um uh 
uh, age appropriate things from adults. <laughs> also, there's the moment where this all the, this mix up that happens with them is essentially the office secretary is in the office filing away like the folders of the different students. I thought and she was the principal, and so we I did too. I did too at first. Yeah. She is filing away. She's putting files away, and <laughs> Duncan and Blade bump into each other in the hallway. Blade, you know, who's a quote unquote tough guy, takes Duncan after Duncan bumps into him and pushes him. He pushes him into a door that is the principal's office door. Duncan goes flying into the office secretary as she's putting his his file and Blade's file away. They fly into the air. The pictures that are attached to each file fly fly into the air as well, and then they end up landing on each on each one's like respective folder. So now their identities have been changed, and that's all it takes in 1992 yeah. for this kind of switcheroo. Like, yeah, exactly. It's just it's so it's so loose. It's such a loose like premise that like if <sighs> any amount of like accounting or you don't pull on it, don't pull on any of these threads, baby, because it all unravels. But that's literally all it takes. And these two are now switched identities. But as the secretary is putting these folders away, she pulls out one of the folders and she goes, "Mm, jailbait. And I did not know what jailbait meant, by the way. I did not know what that term meant. And I... I, I've heard it before, but I've never like thought about it really, and I had no idea. And Dave goes, "Ugh," and I was like, "What does that mean?" And he was like, "It's a person who is like tempting enough to make you like ignore the fact that they are like underage and attempt to have some sort of like sexual relationship with them." And I was like, "Oh my god, I've heard it, and I had no idea that's what it meant." And not only is she saying jailbait while looking at, I think it's Blade's photo, she's rubbing it on her boobs. Yeah, that's right. She ru- <laughs> She's also, well, she's also doing a lot, like, she's doing this, like, a little bit of, like, light wiggling and writhing just <laughs> from, like, the, just the activity is, like, yeah. revving like, her up. Work. Why are you getting so hot bothered? From looking at these, like, photos of these children. Um, yeah, it's really, it feels like an unsafe environment. Yeah, no, I would say so. Because it feels like the only thing that's separating her from making some choices is that door to the principal's office. So. I know. And then class is really going to get in session once you have to deal with Miss Secretary. Um, who finds love in a hopeless place at the end of the movie, but we'll get to she that. Does. She does. She um, does. But yeah, no, I had, that was like one of the first times I was like, this is too much. Also interesting, Kid and Play, um, who play the title characters in this movie of Duncan and mm-hmm. Blade, they at this point had done House Party, House Party 2. They also had had like a successful like hip hop career as well. They were known. And- yeah. This is the only movie that is not that they've done that is outside of the House Party series. So it doesn't yeah. have anything to do with that universe. I thought it might have something to do with that universe, but it's entirely different. No, it's like it's its own sort of thing, but they're still sort of playing versions of the characters that they play in those right. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like Christopher Martin, who plays a character of who is play in the act Kid and Play. And mm-hmm. then we have Kid, who is played by um, Christopher Reed, and he's more of like the studious nerdy one. And he's the one who had sort of like the iconic high top. Um, right. The the highest high top fan of all time. I used to, I, I marveled at it as a kid. I thought it was just the coolest thing. Literally the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And like, it, it inspired a generation of kids For sure. like, to like do that. But was it all his? Do you know? Was it all his? I think hair? it was. I think wow. it was his, like, it was his hot top, which is, you're right, it is incredible. And that would take probably years to grow. And, and so hard to, like, maintain, too. Like, for sure. 
For sure. Yeah, to keep it like cut like that, you would need to be going to a barber very regularly because any time like you're have it standing up, like the all, physics of that. Also, just a high top in general is hard to maintain, even like uh, even like a civilian's high top, not a pro yes. high top like this one, because yes. you because when you get your hair cut and they comb your hair out and then they cut it into a high top shape. It's really difficult to maintain that particular shape the next time you comb your hair out because now yeah. there's new curls that are in new places that weren't there when oh, the barber nice. was sculpting your hair. So it always is like that first day when you're leaving the barber. It's one of those things that I've talked to what to my white male friends about because like we've had conversations about how like and this is all of this is gross generalization. So I'm warning you in advance. But I've had multiple white male friends who said to me like it's so interesting because like when we get our hair cut it's going to be maybe a couple weeks before it looks like what we actually want it to look like. And like, mm-hmm. we'll get our haircuts and like the day of isn't the moment for us. And yeah. like when black people get their haircuts, like black men go get their haircuts. It's like the day you get your haircut is like the best it is. And it's so true. And like, then like a couple of weeks later, we're going back in. And for my white friends, they would always be surprised when I would go get my haircut like every two weeks, but they're like, Oh my God, like I'm not even, my hair isn't even where I want it to be yet when I got totally. my haircut. And it was mm-hmm. always really funny to me because it's true. Like you get like mm-hmm. a very, short window before shit starts growing out especially if you have a very is like a person who has like hair like i like one of the like like a like a i don't know i'd say i probably have like 3c hair or something like that but like mm-hmm. hair that is kinky coily hair once you get it done and if you're if you're dealing with any sort of like structural sculpting of your hair with like clippers and things yeah you gotta cut you got like a week to really feel cute to, to really <laughs> enjoy it, and then you have to go and back. you're like oh now i gotta start like jimmy riggins shit to make it like work and like i would have friends who get their hair done and like six weeks later you're like oh my god your hair looks cute and it's like yeah it finally grew out in like the right places because they're not living <laughs> always for like the crisp and I know there are right. some high, I know obviously there are some people who are white or have, you know, more European, you know, whatever straight type hair that like uh-huh. they get their hair cut and it's the moment when they get it done. But, right. you know, especially when Peaky Blinders came out and everybody was on that, then oh I'm sure they were goodness. all loving that. But it is Love really it. like yeah. funny to see like a haircut like the one that Kid has because it is, it is a marvel. And also we're talking about Kid and Play with this point was like a huge star and I'm sure they just kept, you know, Had the fucking like, Barber yeah, and the sure. barber on staff who like who's who knew how to like really maintain that architecture, but mm-hmm. those high tops, mm-hmm. especially in like the early nineties, they are like a thing to behold. Also, like in the eighties, when you see like the designs and like the names and all the stuff that people used to put in their hair, it is so oh, cool. But so I always cool. think like it's gonna start looking. People that's gonna that start looking anymore. Like, no, that used to be a much wider spread thing. I feel like people do it less. And I, I want to see more of them. I wonder. I wonder also if like if you went to like a barbershop now would you be pressed to find a barber who had a skill set that could ex- actually execute like put it you know what i mean like you probably need to, to find like, like an old guy <laughs> yeah no for sure you probably yeah. have to go to somebody who's at least like in their 50s because it's yeah. like you know and they'll probably be excited to be like yeah let's do the, you know i've done that shit in a while let's get it going let's bring it back. um yeah. it really was like a renaissance for like this period was like here i go again for like no, black I hair no i just mean i'm trying, to, yeah, I'm trying to keep her off my off my mind no. but she's not making it easy <laughs> 
who are, don't understand why, it's because we're going to talk about her at another time. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't worry. It's not like we're keeping her out of our minds. No, Never. mom's not the word. She can't leave. Whatever. No, she, she lives rent free in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so all of that to say that, yeah, the hair. But it's really funny, too, because like I love. OK, so one of the really fucked up things that I did not clock as a kid is like when play is like given the deal to leave jail, the judge oh stipulates. This was so fucked up. Sorry. No, yeah, no. Play at the beginning of the movie, play has like what appears to be a wig, like a dread wig that he's wearing. And the judge stipulated in his prison release where he gets to go back to school. And the condition is that like he can enroll in high school, but like he has to like make good grades, whatever that means. And yeah, while he's so <laughs> while he's in high school and he's like in the parole is like, oh, and one more thing the judge said you have to do. And it's like him being like like put in a chair and held into the chair and like screaming while they cut his dreads off and it is just like it's just it's just racist yeah it is and it's it's really like awful it's horrible like you would never see a judge do that to a white person leaving jail or having to you know re-enter school but i mean it goes hand i mean it still happens today all hair policies oh um, for sure stuff like that are so fucking racist and oh absolutely um you know even in some corporate situations too that that maintain these wild rules about how you can wear your hair and whatever even with things like the crown act now which is like why we the fact that we need something like the crown act exactly um it's still like i mean it, it just sucks because people People have to deal with this and it's so wild and like the mm-hmm. idea of like you know this is a whole other conversation obviously but the whole idea of like right, but it's pro- like you know of like professional like what like th- what does that even fucking mean right. like professional is just a dog whistle for the word white yeah so, absolutely so um, it's, it's a it's a meaningless word when it comes to to um you know enforcing these kinds of things and it's really it, it's been going i mean clearly it's been going on forever we're watching a movie from 30 years ago where they're doing this and you know it's still happening today people are still not aware that the choices that they make and the rules that they set are (laughs) an advantage for one specific group of people and it's frustrating of course it also reminded me there was this um there was online it, it was this woman she put this video she was like when you're like the only black woman at a white office and another like black woman gets hired and it was like this woman like this black woman sitting at her desk and she's got this dusty ass like old ratty wig on that she wears to work and she doesn't <laughs> oh, no. give a shit because she works with like a group of white people and they don't know anyway and then the new black girl shows up with like a fresh twist out and she's like oh shit i can't show up to work looking like this anymore <laughs> And you just see her sitting at her desk and she's like horrified that this other black woman just saw her in the office (laughs) looking like boo-boo the fool. And she's like, damn, I got to start trying now. Shit. And it really made me laugh because it's so accurate. That's Um, so funny. So, yeah. So. I mean, I even remember when I was like in like the like maybe like 10 years ago when my some of my friends were like looking for jobs. I remember like I was out to dinner with one of my friends and she's like, I have to go home early because I have a job interview tomorrow and I have to straighten my hair. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I have to straighten my hair for the job interview. I was like, damn. Like, and she had natural hair. She never really straightened her hair, you know, on a regular basis. And she's like, just to like get the job, you know, but it's just like those things that you have to fucking deal with and think about. It's, you know, 
Oh, absolutely. Up. It's, it's yeah. so shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and the other thing that I was going to bring up, speaking of not shitty things, the other mm-hmm. thing I was going to bring up in this movie, we were talking about cameos. We have Meshach Taylor, um, known yes. to many as Anthony Bouvier, who plays the role of John Penderhughes. He plays um, Kid's character of Duncan, the studious uh, smart guy. He plays the father of Duncan, and it is it is a really it is such it's a funny performance. Him. I wish I could. I wish I. Could could have seen him more you know i mean of course this isn't again this is a cameo and so when you see these people you know you're just getting a little taste but um certainly just nice to see his see him show up all the time my favorite movie that he's in is mannequin i've never seen mannequin (gasps) oh okay i talk about a movie that i am totally unsure of how that holds up so well, I'm I'm adding it to my list. Right oh, mannequin! I've I've never seen it before. That's so funny. Well, it, it has our girl um, Kim Cattrall on it, so you know it's juicy. You know she's forever. You know forever Samantha. Well, more than Samantha, as she will let you know um, from Sex in mm-hmm. the City. But no, yeah, no, that does. Yeah, thank you for kidding me. Mm-hmm. We also have Loretta Devine playing the role of plays mother. Yes. Another really small part, which is so funny because I never think about Loretta Devine in a small part because she never. is like such a leading lady and like yes. so many movies feature Loretta Devine in the role of a leading lady so right. it is just it was interesting she plays a lot of she's been playing the, like a matriarch of mi- in many you know films but it was interesting to see her in this part even and she brings even like what she brings to like a very small part that for sure could have been like stretched out a bit to give us a little bit more of 100%. a sense she's like the put you know well she's the put upon like single black mother who's like mm-hmm. trying to you know she's got the son who was in jail and it's just gotten out of jail it's really unclear too like or, like what this incarceration was because they, they mentioned like petty theft they mentioned some of the car theft but then it's, it's like something about a car theft but then also i i have a lot of um you, you go you, i have a lot of things about blade's identity that i need to unpack well it's just it, no that's really it that's what i was gonna say it was just like so are you like what is this jail that he's in where he can just be released like to go out and make good grades in high school like if they had put him in like even like a group home or something or been like we're gonna you know you've been in this group home for a while like it was just like he was in prison it appeared um it was obviously like or because uh, they, they called his like I don't know if it was his parole officer or public defender, Juvie Mike Riker. You're right. Dick, they did. Dick Riker yeah. or something. Juvie Dick Riker. So I'm assuming it was Juvie. It was Juvie. But like the weird thing about this is that like he's released, goes to school, and then after his first day of school, comes home to 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 his home, like to Loretta Devine, and it's like, and she's like acting like this is the first time she's seen him. And I was like, wait a minute. This timeline's fucking weird. Did you just become, do you just get released from jail, like, and go straight to school? <laughs> like, literally, they, like, they released you, and your parole officer dropped you off at jail, uh, dropped you off right. at school, and nobody, there was not a ringling, ring, ringling to your mom's house. To make yeah. sure she still lived there, to make sure that she was okay with it. She comes home from work, and <laughs> And, and it's like you could have also fixed something like this by just flipping those scenes and just having him 
it's like it's an easy fix like as opposed to having him stumble home and like but they were so busy they were so they were trying to juxtapose like Blade's home life to Duncan's because if I remember correctly that scene comes right after Duncan returns home after his first day but it's like we don't need that like you could have given us that moment where like he comes home they interact Exactly. The juxtaposition still exists, even if those scenes aren't right next to right each Right next other. to each other. Yeah, you don't have to hit us over the head with it. We get it. They're from different yeah, worlds. Exactly. And they <sighs> do so much of that in the beginning. Like, yes. literally, when Duncan is talking about how he grew up versus how Blade grew up, and it's like, you get all of these scenes, how their lives are different. So, like, we get it. Like, we would just, I would just love to have had some explanations. To, like, yeah. How do we find how- ourselves here? Yeah, exactly. Can I go on my rant about Blade's character? Yes. Okay. First of all, I don't understand. So we started out with him in prison, right? And it's maybe for a petty theft, maybe um, grand theft auto. I don't know. Some stuff is mentioned. Vague, vague, vague. But then, like, throughout the movie, so it unfolds in a certain way where um, we find out that, like, their their rival at school, this, like, big bully named Wedge, who is, who is like, a drug dealer, is involved with these other drug dealers. But everyone around town seems to know who Blade is, and they're scared of him. He's a, he's a, a scary presence. But, like... I don't understand how, because he's not a drug dealer. He's not involved in selling drugs at all. And that's made very clear. Um, But the drug dealers know a lot about the dynamic of a high school, which I think is hilarious. It's like they're very tuned in to Blade's status within the school versus (laughs) Wedge's status within the school. And it's like, there's that's weird that you know that. (laughs) And like, I don't see why you're so involved. Like You, I would assume, have a bunch of people running drugs for you. And this is just some high school kid you got on the hook. But it seems like you are really, really invested in his popularity at school. (laughs) And that was a very hard for me to swallow. But I don't know why everyone thinks Blade is such a tough guy. He has, his reputation precedes him everywhere he goes, but it is not in any way explained why. Okay, so you actually brought up a lot of good points that are really (laughs) hilarious. We also get the Dougie Doug, who's this like comedian actor. He plays a character of Popsicle um, in the movie. And he says it's because he's like ice cold and he's cool, but he's also sloppy, which I think is like a really funny descriptor. Um, but it's like he knows himself. Yeah, it's like it's like somebody's aware. (laughs) Um, you love to see it. Yeah, and he is like, first of all, he he instinctively starts trying to like bully like Duncan because he doesn't know about Duncan's quote unquote identity as Blade, and -hmm. Duncan just letting it happen. And it's like you get very much the feeling that he would have in a world where like his identity as Blade was not introduced, he would have ended up being like a lackey for like you know this popsicle character. But like. Wedge is like, you know, is First really. Of all, 
We got to talk about Wedge and his fucking absolute rock hard boner for crop tops. Yeah, Wedge loves a loves a like a neon mesh crop top. <laughs> and like the and he has the hammer pants too, baby. And he's the hammer pants and a crop top and I'm just like it is so funny for me to see a dude trying to be like a fucking tough guy in a crop top. Like I there it, it, no judgment. He looks incredible in it. He wears the shit out of that crop top and those hammer pants but i just feel like in the in the in the era that we grew up in that would be absolutely ridiculed so it's really funny to see that that's like the cool outfit for this like tough guy at school and again he looks great but it's hilarious I love I love I love a cutie in a crop top. I think you it is do. like I'm, I'm all about it. I'm like yes, and I put one on every now and then, and then I take it off immediately. Um, Me too. But <laughs> but but yeah, and no. I think this is good for the room, and that's it. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, as like the cat if runs was, out of my room. If I looked like Wedge in a crop top, I would probably wear one. Wedge's a lot body more is often. is right, and yeah. he's rocking that crop top, and he looks good in it. And he's like, but he's very much like beating every up and like everybody is like yeah wedge has a, a chip on his shoulder he yeah he's trying to yeah he's trying to run run the school and we find out that Demita's his girlfriend and he's like he's well, like i don't know if she really is his girlfriend is she he just he sort of just says she's my girl over and over yeah. again and she doesn't like <laughs> like step in to like correct him but she's probably just trying to get through the day like everybody else yeah um, exactly she doesn't appear to have any allegiance to him really um well she doesn't really appear to have any personality to be honest with you she is literally just like one of my notes about Demita is that like she is just existing in this orbit to do things to like to to make um Duncan as Blade feel good no that's not true she's yes she no, because later on, movie. when she goes on, when she goes on the date with him, and she takes him to the museum, yeah, let and me she tell sh- you what I have to say about that. <laughs> I so Duncan takes her on this date as Blade. Of course, he gets into like this fight at the restaurant or whatever because he's like acting as Blade, and so he has to be a tough guy. And Demita is like really attracted to that quality of him. I mean, although Demita is literally just dripping wet all the time ready to fuck like everything she says is a sexual innuendo how dare you how dare me how dare these writers there are plenty there are but there are demita's (laughs) not like demita's not a good time gal though i'm not uh, first of all no judgment that she's ready to go all the time the like do you you know whatever but i will say that she doesn't have she's not a full person and you think, oh, he takes her on this date and you think, like, he's like, I want to know the real you. I want to get to know you. And she's like, nobody's ever asked me that before. And she's like, let me take you somewhere. And they pull up to, I think it's called Lawanda's Wax Museum, where she works, which is cool. A cool job. And she shows him a poster and she goes, I designed that. And then that is the end <laughs> of story. We don't get to know anything else about Tamita. She don't we don't know we don't know her dreams we don't know her hopes we don't know her we do fears. know that Demita demands a certain amount of respect we do know that and <laughs> okay. we know and we know that Demita is a woman who you know is is running the show we know that Demita is gonna like be is as at the helm of like what's happening with Demita in the film Demita we do know that is, Demita and Ellen are the most 
like sexually aggressive high school girls I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Nobody is that bold in high school. There are you're a high 17-year-old high school girl. You're not like I want to do it with you every chance I get. Meet me at eight at my house so you can deflower me in my backyard. I'm going to push back on that a little bit because Lord knows I, I was in some situations when I was in high school that I was like, Ugh. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe after you get and to I know had a girlfriend someone. who said to, who did say to me, I want to fuck. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> I do, I remember the sweaty palms and running out of excuses. Let me just say that. I don't, I don't disagree that high school girls want to f- have sex. I disagree that they are absolutely chomping at the bit and turn every conversation into some sort of like sexual situation. One of the things I liked about this movie and one of the things I like, uh, I, I liked about it on rewatching it was that I liked that it was, I did enjoy that it was, and it was not a perfect film and these are not perfect female characters and there's no Bechtel test being passed here, baby. But, <laughs> but, but I did enjoy that like, there was enthusiastic consent. And I of also, I, yes. which is not something you see. Cause a lot of times in these high school movies, you see the guys hounding the girls for sex all the time. And the girls like right. either acquiescing or like dodge, or just dodging them all together mm-hmm. and like trying to get away. And I like that we had two women that were like smart, beautiful and like asserting their, asserting their like, their sense of self and saying, this is something that I want. And I like that kid and play were creating these images to show young men, like, this is what you should like. You don't need to always be, this is what it looks like, or this is a way it can look like in these, you know what I mean? Like I enjoyed that. It was an extreme version of that. No, I I get that. And I'm not saying that I didn't like these characters. I'm just saying, like, I got the impression the way that Demita and Ellen were written is that those characters could be put on a shelf until we need them for a scene. And then we remove them from the shelf and they're back in the scene. Like they didn't I didn't picture them having home lives at all, although we do see them at home. But it's like like a sliver when there's a point. Okay, so we did kind of jump the gun a little bit. So like earlier in the movie, we were talking about Wedge. Wedge is like this bully. And he sort of like runs the school and then basically like a like the popsicle character sees the permanent record that for some reason Duncan has on him his the permanent record that isn't like yeah. his that shows that he's Blade Brown who's this badass and he's like oh my god so then Wedge is sort of like oh my god I'm dealing with like another badass so we see him sort of like and what comes shortly after this is then like Demita offering her number to um Demita offering her number to Duncan as Blade mm-hmm. and then that's when like Wedge is like I'm gonna kick your ass after school today this is the point where Duncan's like what am I gonna do and blade basically brings in two of his henchmen because it's like and this was a moment that i had like you had earlier where you're like what's going on this is a high school kid he's a high Mm -hmm. school kid who has like grown men that like are working for him because he has these he has these two buddies um who basically come in and they which is really like it's actually a really funny like this is really funny to me they like come into the school and they basically like hide and like blade the first time it happens wedge is getting ready to go kick 
Blade's ass, you know, Duncan as Blade. Blade basically sneaks up on him in the bathroom, knocks him out, and then comes out of the bathroom and is like, oh my God, you know, as Duncan. He's like, oh my God, you know, this badass who's pretending to be Blade just whooped this guy's ass in the bathroom. So it's like, he doesn't have, Duncan doesn't have to do anything. Like, Blade has done the heavy lifting for him of like kicking the big bully Wedge's ass. And then there's another scene where Wedge is once again chasing, um, chasing Duncan down to beat him up. And the two, his two friends, friends blades two henchmen like pop up at this school in like full-on tracksuits and like beat the shit out of like wedge they put a bag over like a like a potato sack over his head and they beat the shit out of him and then they leave before anybody sees them and like Mm -hmm. duncan shows up as blade and gets all the glory so it's like they're conveniently there whenever he needs them to be so they're just on retainer for blade apparently to like (laughs) do this like like, well-connected high school (laughs) student i'm like what's going on here (laughs) and it's also funny because like chris um Martin, who plays uh, play in this movie, is mm-hmm. thirty years old in this okay. film. Which who plays Blade in this movie is yeah. thirty years old, which is really like funny to me that he's like that. He's actually a little bit older. He's a couple months older than my mom, which was like whoa. Like whoa. he was thirty in this movie, and uh, I mean, Christopher Reed was twenty eight, and you honestly can't really like tell. Like when you're watching what? the, you can't tell that they're like that that they're that they're like a decade plus out of high school. Could you tell? <laughs> Honey, half my notes are about how this high school is filled with full-grown adults. And maybe that's what, and maybe that's what makes it like is that well, we've got they a, cast people in the same age clearly, so, so that they don't look so much older. But like, I mean, not only do they look look so much older than like an actual high school student, they the things that they do are like are. at least in my high school years, I didn't really have access to, which is like a lot of money for like fancy dates and like going to like clubs where everyone knows you all the time. Like, what is that? That's that's actually like a really good point because Blade like is like, at one point Blade also, oh my god, there's so much. Okay, so like, so essentially what I was getting at with the whole Wedge thing was that like Wedge is essentially like dethroned as the king of this high school by Mm -hmm. Blade, by Duncan as Blade with the help of like Blade's henchman kicking you know, Wedge's ass, which leads to like the run-in that happens like over halfway into the movie where we fight where we meet all of a sudden the character of Mink, who plays played by Tommy Ford, who's like this gangster, and we get like this scene where he's like bailing Wedge out of well, it, Wedge ends up in this like sort of like drag race, and he gets bested by you know Duncan, who slips away, and then he gets arrested, and then to- uh, Mink gets him out of jail, and he's like, "Are you having trouble running the school?" And you're like, "Wait, what's going on?" Like, because at this point, we just know he's a bully. We don't need, we don't even. Know know that Wedge is selling drugs up until this point in the movie. And also it's like unclear even at this point. Like No, it's it's not clear at this point. It's like, who's this older man who's just like bailed him out of jail and is talking about, you know, and you think maybe it's like a brother or something because you're like, Like, what's going on? I would like swallow the situation a little bit more if Mink was presented as Wedge's older brother or as Wedge's like uncle or something. Uncle or somebody who like he's related to so he has a connection to this like world of yeah. like ga- gangsters as a high school student but it's like <laughs> this like group of like 
<laughs> like uh, drug dealers who are like clearly like in their 30s or supposed to be in their 30s or maybe you know I don't know what age they are but like they are so invested in in the popularity at this high school because they do when they let when they when they um bail wedge out of jail they're like I thought you were a big man on campus I'm here otherwise <laughs> it's like why are you hearing that <laughs> there's like yeah there's a scene later on where they're like they take like wedge wedge gets his ass kicked again and they bring him to this warehouse and they're like there are guns pointed at him and they're like we hear blade brown to run to the school over there and it's like but you didn't hear that blade brown was like first of all not that you didn't hear that blade brown was like selling drugs like you just heard that like blade brown is like at the school and like thriving and like like socially and you're like like, they like have him like in this like tied up in this warehouse like wedge and they're like we hear blade brown's running to school he's the big man on campus now it's like are you gonna kill him because he's not as popular as he was before because that seems weird for you to be so invested in they're really keeping tabs on like you know we have blade brown is going to be going to the sadie hawkins dance with demita if he's doing that then what are you doing besides chewing this lead sandwich yeah it it really is like now that you bring it up that is a really funny point because it's like and this is and like that's the first scene we find out that like part of what like mink is upset about is that like his drugs aren't moving and like also people aren't really doing drugs because duncan doesn't doesn't you know, support drugs and doesn't believe in drugs or whatever. So like people aren't doing them as much because he's now the popular kid and he's mm-hmm. pushing this like anti-drug message. And, and like, an, and then there's an anti-drug rally. Even. And then there's an anti-drug rally that he raps at. So all of that's <gasps> happening. And like wedge is losing popularity, but instead wedge lies to Mink And he says, blades moved in on your territory. He's selling all the drugs now, which sort of sets us up for the act three, like showdown between like mm-hmm. this grown man and these high school students. It's also, <laughs> like how much of your business was coming out of this high school like, like and how much of your business relies on one single drug dealer at a, at a large high school like you need to diversify you need to get your products into the hands all of these eggs people. are in this basket he is yeah. like he's really dependent on like product being moved <laughs> also the other thing that's really <laughs> funny in this movie that we didn't mention yet is we have this moment where like the Pinderhuses, the parents John and, and I believe Jane uh, Pinderhues are it was Julie. No, you're right. Sorry, Julie. John and okay. Julie Pinderhues are um, they're watching their son, who was like this goody two shoes, sort of like change before their eyes. And there's a moment where Blade sort of shows up unceremoniously at their home with like all of this stuff, and he like goes up to like he goes up to Duncan's bedroom, and they don't really know who he is. They assume that he's like a classmate of their son, but like they don't know who he is, and I don't get the feeling that. Like Duncan's had a lot of friends anyway before this, and so like they're in the room, and then you want to take it, Jane? Well, I want to talk about before they even get into the room where they're at the dinner. The pen, the what is it? The Pendergrass? Pender Hughes. Pender Hughes. Oh, you got Teddy Pendergrass on the Teddy. mind. Icon. <laughs> The the Pender Hughes are having dinner and <laughs> the door knocks and it's Blade and he is so fucking rude. <laughs> he is. And like unnecessarily so. Parents, like they open <laughs> the door and he's like, I don't even remember what he says, but he's like, they're like, oh hi, who are you? And he's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like it is so 
what rude. And it's like, these are like, these are your elders. These are like the person's parents you're going to visit. Like, and he's like, let me in. Like, I don't even remember exactly what he says, but it is wild. I think about the fact that like, if I was in high school and my parents opened the door and one of my friends were like, move it, Nance. Get the fuck out of my way. Mom would be like, um, you're not coming into my house. You're very disrespectful. It's so much. It's so fucking rude. So I just wanted to say that that is my favorite moment. It's like, it's so unnecessary. And like, I actually do think that like it, it goes to show like how um, on his own blade has been. So he really hasn't had like, you know, um, the at least like the support from his mother to like teach him how to be like polite but we also watch him like be very kind like to his mother so it's like really interesting that like and she seems like a person who definitely did teach him like and even when people grow up and like by nature looks like she teaches her children how to be polite absolutely (laughs) it it comes out of nowhere and also it's like that happens and then he goes up to the bedroom and he's arrived with all of these clothes his cool people clothes that he wants to give to Duncan this is towards the beginning of the movie so that he can maintain his reputation as being who he is and he's got all of these like really cool like 1990s designer clothes and he brings them how I don't know but and then this is the moment that that we also, you know, play um, play takes over and like churns kids' hair. Duncan's hair, mm-hmm. the high top, turns into these really like cute twists. Um, mm-hmm. So he puts these twists in his hair, and as all this is happening, he's making plays. Ma- uh, kid is making all this noise. The Duncan character, he's squirming a lot. He's in pain, which I can attest, it does hurt. Um, and he's like, and Blade just like, be still, stop. And as this is happening, <laughs> Mister Penderhues goes up the stairs because he's like, what's all this hullabaloo? He like cracks the door open and I don't know if like clearly because we've gotten a shot of inside the room where the hair is being twisted mm-hmm. and we can see what's happening clearly and I don't know if there was some sort of obstruction when he peeks in the room. It would have almost been better to just have him listening at the door than opening the door 100%. because it was like what are you saying? Because we just hear Duncan going ow ow it really hurts and then like you know, and then he's like, "Oh, be careful! You're blowing on it too. You're blowing on it too hard." And there's just a lot of like grunting, and it's like alluding and, like, to the sexual fact sexual innuendo about the fact that they're like that they're these two boys are in the room, and there's like these really heavy noises happening, and one of them's in pain, and the other one's telling him to like relax into it, basically. Yeah. And we've got the dad at the door open, like the door's ajar, and he's looking, and he's like <gasps> horrified by what he's seeing. So it's like, were they fucking? Because it's like <laughs> you know, it's, 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 you have. You have eyes on the thing. We what don't. are you seeing so in like, this room? Is there no. a, is there a partition in front of the door that you can't see what's going on? Because it's like just <laughs> have him, be. literally just have him at the door listening, and we'll get. And that's better storytelling. It's just like right. it was a weird directorial choice. To I have thought. him open the door, unless there's a piece of story we didn't get. Yeah, um, unless unless uh, unless they wanted to tell a story that they couldn't tell. Unless you know there's I mean? a different kind of plan happening. Um, so, <laughs> but then he goes downstairs. The father, Meshach Taylor, goes downstairs. And he goes, he says to his wife, have you ever wondered about our son's sexual preference? (laughs) And the mother goes, I wasn't aware that he had one. And then they laugh it off. And then Meshach Taylor spends the whole movie trying to figure out whether his son is gay or not. (laughs) 
Also, we didn't mention earlier, we lightly mentioned it, when when the Blade character as Duncan sort of goes into this like elite academic world at the school, he quickly crosses paths with a character of Ellen, played by Karen Parsons, who's, you know, one of her big claims to fame is she plays Hilary Banks in the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, not mm-hmm. the gritty remake on Peacock. Um, and so <laughs> we, um, but that's the moment we get. And... She is Coco Jones actually plays the role. I haven't seen it before, but Coco Jones is great and beautiful and whatever. Anyway, um, but this version, <laughs> it was Karen Parsons that we're talking about. And Hillary was like probably one of my favorite. I just she was just so funny on Fresh Prince. So like, funny. Her her comedic timing, like, I feel like shaped a lot of my like taste and humor in the Fresh Prince. I get that. I always yeah. remember, like, when I think of Fresh Prince Bel-Air and I think of Hillary, I always remember, I don't remember his name, but I remember her boyfriend proposing to her during the skydive, remember the skydiving, yeah, and then yeah, he I dies do. in the middle of it. She's, like, <laughs> watching the proposal on television. He was, like, a newscaster, and he's proposing to her, and it's, Hillary, will you marry me? <laughs> and then he slams into the ground. I just remember watching as a kid, and I, I was like, "Remember, I remember that happening, but I don't really remember that episode that well." And then Hillary she, puts on this really cute, like off the shoulder, like black dress because she's in mourning. Oh, she always looked incredible. <laughs> she always too. looked incredible. Oh uh, my god! But she's in this movie a very different character. She's um very much like a, it's like a more like sort of like studious like book she's smart. A she's a brainiac, but she wants to get it in. She mm-hmm. quickly is into Blade. Oh, give me. one one high school brainiac that wasn't horny as hell. I'm telling you, those band kids, they were always, <laughs> I would hear those stories and they would come back and I was always mm-hmm. like, oh my God, y'all are too al- much. You always surprised to hear the stories about the like kids who you considered quote unquote nerdy who were literally just like humping each other Just mouths on time. each other. Yeah. Um, and one of the moments that we have with Ellen and Blade, which was a, a moment of note in my life, mm-hmm. is the moment where Ellen, she at one point, to make it clear that she wants to engage in coitus with Blade, she mm-hmm. pulls out a condom and she yes. hands it to him. I this, loved that. This was a pivotal moment in my life because this was the first time I ever seen a condom in a movie. <gasps> and I remember this scene because I remember going to my mother and I remember saying, Mom, what is that? And she said, that's a condom. And I said, what's a condom? And my mother said, you put the condom on the penis so that when um, when two people are having sex, like, you won't get any, like, diseases and you won't get, like, pregnant or anything like that. And I was like... Because uh, that I had no idea what it was, and and I wasn't even I thought it was like candy, like oh and God, I had no yeah. idea what it was, and that was my mother, and I'm had to have been like seven, and I my mom shooting from the hip and just telling me truths. I appreciate that because oh I my, appreciate it too. Yeah, my parents did the same thing. If I asked a question, I got the answer. You know, and I, mean? I just remember I, I would have never asked my mother if I'd known it was anything sexual of because course. I would have never wanted to talk to my mother about anything sexual. But I just thought it was candy and innocent, and my mom said that, and I was like. Ugh. <laughs> and I just remember my mom was always like that when you ask them also I remember when I heard somebody use the term um blowjob and I remember asking my mom what a blowjob was and she told me and I was like oh. once again thought it was related to candy and my mom was like let's sit down let's have this chat my mom always my mom never sugarcoated anything for me my mom never like jazzed things up and like some sort of like no. talk for and I hey I turned out okay besides you know the whole gay thing so I think that my mom was on the right path by just being like I think my mom also was just like look I don't <laughs> I don't have time to play these, these games with you kid like 100%. this is what it is and I don't want you going my mom also 
also wasn't a parent who thought that that shit was cute. Like my mom didn't think it was cute. Like kids going into the world not knowing things. Like and like no, not at oh, all. the stork delivers the baby. Mom was like, no. Like, no, 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 no. That's the baby ripped, rips that's ripped from a woman. She rips. Yeah, you broke my tailbone when you were born, which my mother told me when I was like ten, and I was like, oh my god, this is a lot. And she's like, it was a lot. Yeah, it was. And you're just hearing the story. I lived through it, baby. Um, so yeah, so this was my first time seeing a condom in a movie, and also Aww. though like that's something in this movie that several times they bring up and that's another thing that I was like wow that's really cool they're showing Mm -hmm. us condoms we're talking about like you know consent or we're showing consent and what it actually is supposed to look like right? or a way that it can look not the only way but we're showing that we're talking about condoms we're talking about safe sex practices like Mm -hmm. all of those things were like we're not, we're not leading with the bullshit of abstinence or, you know what I mean? For sure. Like, it was like, these are high school kids. Well, these are people in their twenties and thirties, but these are playing high school, high school kids, kids. Yeah. who are having sex, but who are at least, you know, using condoms and like being responsible about it. Mm-hmm. And they're having those conversations with each other about it. And they're not having those conversations in a way that is like shamey at all. And like, right. it's very much like, Oh, here's a condom. I'm handing it to you. I would like to have sex with you. Like, Oh, okay. Let's, Let's do that. We're both agreeing yeah. to it. And this was one mm-hmm. of the first, like, those high school movies, they don't really do that. It's always, like, they don't talk about, like, a lot of movies, honestly, don't talk about condoms. Like, yeah, it's not a don't. thing that you hear a lot about. movies from, like, Especially this in this time, time period. period. Yeah. And yeah. so it was it was cool to, like, to see that moment sort of happen in the film. Um, and, yeah. And then we get, like, Kid in Play performing a rap song at this thing. We have Duncan... Duncan is really nervous about it. Duncan as Blade because he's like, I'm supposed to be Blade Brown, who apparently is this really this is amazing rapper. Incredible rapper, and everybody knows that that's part of his reputation. Who are you, Blake Brown? Like are you you're, a drug you're everything. You you're everything but a high school student is what you are, baby. Exactly. Like you've lived a life. You have these two grown men who work for you, who are on your payroll, and like you got out of jail, and you instantly were able to like cash in on your identity. You got that car. You got all these mm-hmm. really nice clothes. Oh like you have access. You go to these nightclubs where he takes. He takes Duncan to this nightclub to sort of school him and how to be him and how to dance and all this stuff. And it's like, you have access to a world that like most adults would like kill for access to. And, and you're like 17 year olds getting yeah. into a club in Los Angeles. This is like not I mean, possible. Blade, apparently Blade Brown, when you've got when you know, when you know the, the big it's also like, when did you ma- when did you like when did you cultivate this rep? Because you when were just you in prison. You're, You're right. 17 now. You were just in prison. And also, it's interesting, too, because it's like... For who what? knows how long? But also, what, are you, what were you even in... Like, like what were you there for? Because you have all this money. You have all this access. And it's like, you seem to be successful. What do you do? Like, it's so many questions because <laughs> it's like... Too. If you don't sell drugs, where's the money coming from? Because you literally don't have a job as far as your high school student. Yeah, you've only been eligible to work for like a year. And then also there's the moment where like they do their performance. The whole song is about like it's an anti-drug rap. So like <laughs> this is where Blade lets you know where he stands regarding drugs. And he's on stage rapping about being anti-drug. And it's like, so he's not making his money through drugs. So how does the underworld know who he is? It's so confusing. Like, I guess maybe it's the heist. Maybe so those car heists that he did that like had nothing to do with drugs it was just him like 
I guess sell maybe all the cars he sold for parts. Maybe he sold some cars to Dom. Maybe. Dom Toretto. Dom Toretto. Maybe. <laughs> Wait. And now there's Duncan. Your family now. I'm gonna make so much money off this muffler. I cannot believe that you remembered Vin Diesel's character name from Fast and the Furious. An episode. I remember what is it? I remember most of them. It's like oh, President Obama, uh, Whitney Houston, Dom Toretto. Dom Toretto. Um, if you guys, if you guys haven't listened to our Fast and the Furious episode, go ahead and check it out. It's check it out. We mm-hmm. we don't, we only got one in so far, but we only got one in. But that doesn't mean <laughs> we're not gonna get more in. Yeah, that doesn't mean we don't have more in the in the cooker in the, in the old mm-hmm. in the old baker, mm-hmm. <laughs> as ba- <laughs> as like bakers call call ovens. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, famously. That's what it's, yeah, because in France at least, I don't know. I don't know. How they do it in the states. I've oh, only ever been okay. in patisseries in um, in um, France, so. That's how my life worked out. You've never uh, seen anything baked in any other place besides. I don't keep track of it in the in the U.S. Oven. When I'm on U.S. soil, there's other things that I'm here doing. I'm always you trying to get your own oven. What do you mean? You don't have an oven at your home. I try not to keep an. I try not to keep an oven in house. No. Okay. Yeah, I love that moment. I I love I love the rap. I love how conscious it is. And it also leads us into like the last act of the movie, which is where we it find takes such a turn. It gets yeah, that's the thing. It's like they don't cuz like I remember like probably a little bit as we we're approaching the halfway point, I remember thinking like how does it, how does it, I remember them being in like a wax museum, like a knockoff Madame Tussauds wax museum. And yeah. I remember being like, how do we get there? And then Which it was like, the it's a quick pivot. We find out, find out that Demita's job is to job get is us. The wax we don't, it's not really so that we can know more about her. It's so that we see the wax museum. We understand why they end up there. Which is but we very, learn, but we learn a lot about her in that moment though. So it ends up being what, the happiest we, of accidents. We know she's an artist. We learn and one thing about her. We learn that one she thing loves about her. creating art. And that she started creating art as a result of <laughs> life in this environment. Also, when she she ends up going on a date with um with Duncan as Blade, and mm-hmm. when she goes and he picks her up from her house, he's got his new digs on that he was given by the actual Blade, and he picks mm-hmm. her up, and her dad is like he kind of comes to the door, and she pushes him back in the house because she's like, "There's not going to be any meeting happening here. I don't respect you." <laughs> and then as she's leaving, there's a group of men who are sitting on a couch outside of her home, uh-huh. and they're just like. Yelling things out, and she mm-hmm. sort of puts them in their place. And then at one point, when Demita's returning home from her date, those four men are still sitting on the cu- on that couch out in f- on um you know on the curb. And one Get of them done. And one of them says, "She used to be my girl. I used to be with her." And, oh my god, I missed that. And I this time I caught it, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you She's a child. Father. Yeah. Well, I was like, what are you? Y'all are all like old ass grown men. What do you mean she used to be your girl, sir? So well, maybe we do <sighs> learn a little bit more about Demita's past and she doesn't really want to dwell on it. Well, in the words of also, she has to deal with her abuser like every day, if that's the case. In the words of Beyonce, <laughs> ring the alarm. Okay. Ring the fucking alarm. <laughs> okay, this is because not okay. And it's a lot and yeah, it just I remember that caught me off guard because it felt inappropriate. Yeah. Um it felt like lines had been crossed. And it's also like don't why are you declaring this to your like 
your, I guess, constituents, like the rest of the peanut gallery. Like, this isn't a good moment for you. And I'm sure that I bet you anything that was just a group of like comedians they hired and they were just improving lines. 100%. But interesting that the director was like, oh, we're going to pivot. Um, yeah, we don't really want to introduce <laughs> one of you grown ass men having been with this clearly not 17 year old. Remember, um, we're dealing with minors here. <laughs> so, this is, uh, yeah, so we're going to make some minor adjustments and we're going to cut that line and we're going to just not make any more comments about who used to be with who. Okay, because you were never the answer. <laughs> that can't that can't fly in this family friendly movie. <laughs> the equation never equaled you, Bibi. Um, so we so we get that moment, and then like we find out that like Mink is Mink's after that coin, and he Mink wants is, to stop. Mink is after um, a group of children. A group of children, and he there's this huge car chase, and well, they capture um, Duncan, who they think is Blade, and then they and then there's a car chase. The other car is Popsicle. Um, who's in there? Popsicle, Popsicle Ellen, Blade, Demita, Blade, um, and the whole gang is there, and they're trying to get. Um, Duncan out of this car and they do eventually it's like it's like there's a sunroof so they're able to like it's a Jaguar they're able to get him out of the sun through the sunroof and he, he's hanging off the edge of this truck that everybody's <laughs> in and they pull him into the truck and it is like is it's may, it's mayhem <laughs> and then there's like randomly like gunshots every now and then it's clear that no one's ever actually in danger but no, no. <laughs> you you don't feel panicked for one second <laughs> no everybody's gonna make it's it out mostly, of here it's mostly shenanigans that you're it's just like oh these guys they're also I should go back really quick there is this other really funny moment that I actually did remember from the movie when Demita is like finds out that you know she thinks that Duncan is Blade and she's attracted to him and she she wants to give him her number and she says I'm gonna she said no she says you know what you give me your number and then he gives her his number and she like takes the pen and she sort of draws like like gestures towards her bosom her cleavage with it and then like she takes his number down on her hand and then she's walking off and then he goes bye to titty i mean Demita." and (laughs) and i remembered that line from when i was a child that's a really good line it's so stupid it's so dumb like file it under dumb but it but really like, worked for me. But like, <laughs> laugh your fucking ass off. This oh is my like, God. this is like a. <laughs> there's so many dumb lines that make you laugh, that you laugh at because they're so dumb. But oh also yeah, no, it's super fucking funny. <laughs> But like, so we've got, so back to the car chase, we, they end up going to the museum where Demita is star employee, apparently. Um, she gets everybody in. Lures a cart, a shootout here. And then then the movie turns into like Scooby-Doo. No, it is legit. It's legit Scooby-Doo. That's, it's absolutely Scooby fucking do. And that's what Dave said at one point we're watching the movie. He goes, this is just Scooby-Doo. It was like a scene. There's like the hijinks. Like we've got like the gang, like pretending to be wax statues so they'll just like yeah. go into like a tableau of like a group of jasmine and like as dave pointed out one of the most grotesque imaginings of louis armstrong i literally have that is the most terrifying louis armstrong wax statue i have ever seen his eyes look like someone is unknowingly pegging him from behind louis armstrong looks like he was one of mink's customers in this uh, tableau <laughs> like maybe he got some of that good good but bad bad 
we got a rough batch. Um, and it was laced with something. And so, and then like we've got, we've got literally like two of the gang, you know, like behind him pretending to be like Jasmine holding like a tuba. Right. It, it's so stupid. And then we've got them, there's just, there's an endless amount of these like it's scenarios. It's so fun because it's, it's like, it's really fun. You see all these terrifying imaginings of like older celebrities and they're running around the wax museum. It's a great place to have a scene like this because again, this movie is mostly shenanigans and this is like the highest concentration of shenanigans. They're right. And also we have this moment where we have Demita and we have, we have the character of Demita sitting with Blade as Duncan. Duncan is Blade, um, her boyfriend. They're sitting together and the girls are on the outs with the guys because they've just recently found out when they arrive here that Blade is actually Duncan and Duncan is actually Blade. So both of the women are very pissed because they're both like, you've been lying to me about who you were. Like, who do you think you are? Which they're absolutely like 1000% right. Of course, but it's the quickest and like least ceremonious like identity reveal of its kind. <laughs> like it happens so quickly, and then they're like, "We got to run for our lives," and you're like, "Okay." And like quite rightly, the girls are upset, but it really they don't. You don't really see a moment where they are like groveling for forgiveness. No, 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 none of that, none of that. We're instantly yeah. in these life or death circumstances, and where we know nobody's gonna die. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so there's the big showdown with the gun um, that ends with the cops showing up and not shooting any of these black people, which was shocker. Which, but. Was, which is the most surprising thing about this movie, which is the most unrealistic thing about this yeah, movie. Yeah, despite everything else, despite this group of geriatrics playing high school students, the thing that we walked away with the most shocked by was that they managed to, like... De-escalate Not a situation a without single black person without in- killing one of them, and I'm sure it was hard for these actors. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, and then what we get is we get this whole like wrap up, and then we're and then we have the last big event that's happening, which is the knowledge bowl, and like towards the, earlier in the movie, like. Blade's whole thing was like, Duncan, you have to do my homework for me. And one of the things that I, and then, so Duncan's been sort of like doing Blade's homework. One of the things that I noticed also, and I noted was like, also though, like, what's Duncan doing for Duncan? Because it's like. I thought the same thing. Are you doing two people's homework? Well, I was just like, is Duncan doing Duncan's work as well though? Because it's like, because Duncan, essentially what Blade is saying to Duncan is you're pretending to be me while you're pretending to be me. Make sure that you're getting that work done for me because I have to have maintain good grades to not go back to prison. But I was wondering like, is, I didn't hear Duncan have a moment of like, Hey, also I have like a 4.0 whatever. I have to still you get through this school year to get into maintain like maintain it, yeah. So like, are you main? Are you maintaining it on your end? Something tells me maybe not. I can't be there for quizzes and everything. It was clearly right. red tape that they didn't want to like. <laughs> but it's like the whole reason for him transferring to the school was because his Achilles heel, as I mentioned in my synopsis, was PE. So it's like, what are you doing on they the scholastic have- front? They did have that one scene where like Blade as Duncan like gave that quote present that quote dissertation oh, about human right. sexuality he like he like accidentally like aced it it was not i didn't seem like we it was used the it was car happy. to like explain to dave was talking about the, we use the car to explain to the teacher like what about sexuality and she's like what why are you talking about cars and he's like because most sex takes place in cars and then the teacher's like hey yeah and it's like it we get wild. it so you've done so the dirty like, in the back of many cars and is what we're here to teach and get yeah. yours <laughs> Get yours. We don't judge you. We respect and love a woman who owns her sexuality. She's an older woman. Hopefully, it wasn't Ted Kennedy's car. <laughs> oh 
Anyways, um, it all wraps up at the knowledge bowl. And <laughs> we, which I guess is some game show that from the beginning, they, the school wanted Duncan to participate in for, uh, in the name of the school. But Duncan and Blade are on this team at the end. I don't understand how Blade got the invite, but he's there. I'm sure they made every, I'm sure they made every allowance they could once, the, once they realized who the actual genius was. They exactly. were like, oh, let's get him in here. Um, yeah. and the question that they went on is, a question that like is subjective it's not like a question that like yeah i i i had trouble with this too it was like shakespeare talking about in in much to do about nothing about like he refers to like death in a certain way but what is he actually referring to and like according to ellen earlier in a date she told blade that that means like uh, an orgasm and so that's the answer he gives and that is apparently correct but i had never heard that interpretation but that just i never heard anything. it before and it felt very subjective to me in a way that you couldn't like you couldn't hinge an entire like academic like you know like debate or whatever on like the answer to like a subjective question about interpret <laughs> about like interpretation of like the bard it's like yeah. there's too many like loose ends there and it's too easy to contest that so it's like because all you would need was to cite like like one scholar who like comes into the different interpretation to be like they didn't really win but anyway it's enough here and it's enough here and they they win the prize ellen and blade have their final kiss they get together she forgives him for everything and then duncan and demita have their final demita, kiss demita who was not participating she's waiting for 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 duncan after the meet and she goes up to him and she says if you ever lie to me I will kick your ass. If you don't treat me right, I will kick your ass. Mm. And if you don't come here right now and kiss me, I will kick <gasps> your ass. And then they have their big kiss. And then we get like the scene. <laughs> Do you want to describe the scene, Jane? Okay. So this is the final scene of the movie. And it is we we open on um the the what the fuck is there? Pender Hughes in bed, the the elder two, and they hear some sort of shaking, and they're like, "What's going on? I can't figure it out." And um, Daddy Pender Hughes is like, "Don't worry, I'm gonna go check it out." So he goes and he looks in Duncan's room, and Duncan on his twin bed is on top of Demita under the covers absolutely railing her loudly 20 feet from his parents and and she's like really loud she's like making really loud moaning noises the bed <laughs> is making this really loud squeak it's like nobody's trying to mind their p's and q's <laughs> It's like literally, it is literally like you want your parents to catch you, which it says a lot about what you're into and causes some concern in me. But again, no judgment. Um, and <laughs> the dad is so excited for the confirmation that Duncan is not gay, that he's like, do you need anything? Do you need some water? And it's like, I need you to leave because I'm literally inside a person right now. Like, please leave he, like, He's room. so excited. He asked them if they need, like, libations. And yeah. they're like, we got it covered. <laughs> and then when he... <laughs> No, go ahead. No, then he goes back. Then he also mentions once again, he says, I hope you're wearing a Jimmy hat, son. Yes, which was good. We It's like, all right, we're back to that safe right. sex talk. 
again, this is great, but you are talking to your son while he's inside a woman, um, yeah. which is very strange. And then he goes back to the bedroom to Mrs. Penderhughes and he says, uh, <laughs> guess what, sweetie? Everything's totally fine. Our son making it with a smoking hot babe in his room. That's what he says. (laughs) Making it with a a smoking hot babe, which is like, again, that smoking hot babe is underage. And you need to never say that about anybody that your son is having a relationship with. Um, But then this gets the parents Pender. What is it? Pender Hughes. Pender Hughes. Penderhughes in the mood and they start going at it. And his wife gets this look in her face and she's like, oh. And then she like climbed on top of her husband and they start pounding. And it's like, what what did it for you? Like the fact that like you saw, like I, it's it's very confusing. But now we've got competing, um, you know, fuck sections, I guess. Competing coitus, baby. (laughs) Separated by a paper thin wall. Like I can't imagine a bigger boner killer than hearing like the coos of like your son's like sexual partner, like in the other room. No, it's really horrible. (laughs) And I don't believe you if you say like, oh no, like. I like it was kind of weird but I worked through it it's like no it, no. it spurred you on <laughs> it, it got you guys in the mood clearly you were invigorated by it parents <laughs> and it's I guess they just needed the check I'm surprised that Misha was like yeah. hey, can we pivot a bit with this like ending like, I, like why are we why does it do this to us it's just a question yeah just and i just can i talk to one of the five can i talk to one of the five creators of this can you point me in the direction of the person that came up with this genius ending because i don't want to boink my wife after walking in on my son like mid thrust and in fact i'd love to have a cold shower and take a walk around the block until they've finished up what they're finishing what they're even still it's weird to fuck after that yeah, like maybe for a week. I go would. to bed. Just go to bed. <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> oh, go to my bed. God. Uh, anyways, and that is the final scene of 1992's Class Act. Um, so, Jane, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Uh, would you watch this movie? Hicking. Um, I definitely would. It was great. I loved it. All right. And then there was a whisper um, mm. that you maybe had a movie from moi? From moi? I do. I do. I do have something selected for you next week. Next week, you and I are going to be discussing the, God, I don't know what year it came out, the early 2000s um, masterpiece called Party Monster. Oh, shit. Yeah. So get your club kid gear ready. Get I your actually, I've heard ready. of. I've heard a podcast about the real life case of this, but I don't know anything about the movie. Um, I do remember it was quite dark. So dark. It's, it's, it's an intense, it's intense story and intense movie. So I'm excited (laughs) for us to, you know, it's going to be a different vibe from this week, but I think, you know, we'll have as, as we always do. Don't say fun. I don't. (laughs) I was going to say we're, we'll find the lightness within the darkness. And we will also be sure to be like extra, extra like respectful because this is like, this is our first time doing like a, like a real life 
type thing. So we'll keep it. Yes. We'll, yeah, we'll keep it cute. These are these were real people, right? Mm-hmm. These yeah, these were real people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll make sure to like you know. Yeah, we're gonna be as respectful as you know we. And we'll, we'll, I mean, we're gonna be t- we're gonna spend majority of the time we'll be talking about the movie. We're not gonna be talking about like no. we may dip into it, but we'll be sure to like make distinctions when we do. Sort of like of course navigating yeah. both. Awesome. Yeah. And I think it'll be an interesting conversation. And we've had, you know, I want to, you know, we've had intense conversations here before and I think we've handled them, um, you know, the best way that we can. And I, I, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. So I think it'll be, it'll be a good, a good chat. Awesome. Okay. So everybody, we're going to be watching party monster. Make sure you tune in for it and keep Mm -hmm. those and make sure, you know, you hit the button below and you um, subscribe. Yeah, to whatever. Oh, like in the pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening to us. Have a very fun discussion about class act. We hope you guys made it to the end. We love you. We um, appreciate you. If you want to continue following us during the week um, while you're waiting for a new episode to drop you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed and on our very popular Twitter at MWM Chat and we will see you next week for Part Monster we're gonna see you next week we're gonna 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 see you next week bye Bye to Titty. I mean, Demita. <laughs>